Hi, this is Jessica Heron, mom of two, serial entrepreneur, the founder and CEO of Stella and Dot Social Retail. And this is my podcast, Self Made. Welcome to season two. This podcast is filled with take action tips and inspiration to help you create the life that you want, integrating success in work, life, and your personal well being. Our core belief at Self Made is that you are in charge of you. Only you can define your success and only you can create it. Success is not one size fits all and it's not for just the predetermined few. It's for you. This podcast is a companion way to learn to self-made university, an online and open place to discover free courses to help you level up in life and in business. Hey friends, welcome to this episode of Self-Made. Today, we are going to talk about how you can make more money. That's been kind of a common theme lately, but this one is going to be pretty specific. In fact, I am going to share seven simply smart tips to make more money with a product merchandising strategy in your business. This is mostly going to be a episode that applies to a business that would have physical goods. But even if you're a personal trainer and do services, there will be some tips in there for you too. And there are seven tips you can apply generally, whether you have a physical business, service business, or you do everything online. I started thinking about this topic because at S&D Brands, we've innovated our model and put all of our brands together on one platform so that people could essentially share what they love and get paid. What that means is they get to merch their shop. Now it's a virtual shop or they can do pop-ups. So they are essentially picking which product to sample because we give them discounts and incentives and choice. And then it's up to them with some of our tips to pick product in a way that's going to help them maximize their profits. So I started to think a lot about how what have I learned over the years about merchandising, whether it was from people who used to run large department stores and had been on my board of directors and I was able to soak up some of their wisdom, or it was just lessons learned in business, bringing in different items by season or changing categories across uh, skincare or beauty and fashion accessories. So these are the seven tips I've distilled down that I think apply no matter what. And I think they're going to be helpful for you. Tip number one, when thinking about how you offer products to maximize profits, Start with your brand and your target customer. I will always say this. It's always about starting and ending with your customer. You can think about all the other ones, but if you don't start with customer demands, therefore not, it doesn't matter. So just ask yourself, who are you targeting? What will they pay money for? What lifestyle do they have? And pay attention to that person and their needs. This may range for you if you are in uh, different geographies. And this is going to be really obvious. I'll use a simple example. But if you live by the beach, you're not going to have a good business selling snow skis uh, as you would if you lived in the mountains. So sometimes when you're doing an online store though, and you sort of have no geography, you can lose that sense of who is my market. And even if your market is not defined by an address and a radius, you really do want to say, who am I going to appeal to? With uh, our business, when our ambassadors come in and they decide 
to rep a brand and share it with people, they generally are thinking of a target customer. And that comes because of people they know, people that would relate to their authentic opinion. It's often people like themselves. So it may be someone who is really into clean skincare and is an esthetician or is a doctor. And so they're thinking about who are they offering it to. And it's really built off of product passion and who the interest would be. When it comes to uh, our other businesses, they start to think about who their target customer is. And it's going to be someone who is going to get dressed up all the time, or someone who's really casual, or someone who lives in a suburban area, or someone who works in a full-time office. But really visualizing who you think your core customer is, is important. You don't want to be overly narrow. You're always going to sell here and there to people that have concentric circles outside your core customer, but in general, know who your customer is. And generally, this has got to be people who are willing to pay for your product. That doesn't mean that if someone objects to style and price, that there's no market. It just means they're not your target customer. I'll give you another example. If you're an architect that does classic design and you try to sell your services to someone who wants a modern building, that's not your customer. So you shouldn't spend time trying to convince them to change their mind. You should just focus on the ample opportunity of the people who do want your style and your price. Okay. Tip number two, tell a story. And this story, here's the key. It's a value to your customer, all about the customer. It's not about you. It's not even about your brand. And it's not even about the product just yet. You're going to see more sales, a performance bump in conversion. If you focus on telling a story and the first thing you focus on is a customer need and you provide a solution. So I'll give this example of if you are selling a uh, skincare. Are you selling something that has salicylic acid and it's by ever, or are you looking at a customer and saying, how can I help you stop breakouts? I have a product that works for you. So thinking about when you think of your products and which ones you select, and you think about your target customer, the next thing you're going to want to do is make sure that you have products in that can tell a story for the customer in a way there, they can visualize how it's going to benefit them in their day-to-day lives, right? So that is just a create a scene with a visual physical products. If you're doing interior design, you're going to show a living room, show a playroom, because it's not just about the chair. It's about in situ, how people use it in their daily life. Now make selling easy by organizing products into logical groups and selling complimentary items. This is kind of obvious, but sometimes people miss the complimentary items part, and that's going to help your customer transact easily, as well as increase your average order size and provide a real full solution to your customer. So I'll use easy examples from our business. If you sell earrings, you may group them all together or say, these are our statement earrings, or you might do it based on occasion, which is dressy going out. But what you don't want to do is take all things of all colors of all end uses and just lay it out (laughs) because that won't feel curated or help the customer imagine what it is all about. There's no point of view. It tends to confuse the customer, not create a transaction. The other thing about creating a group is when you do, are there complimentary items in it? 
easiest thing is if you have earrings, is there a necklace and a bracelet that match? That's going to help you complete a sale. If you walk into a kitchenware store or a home goods store, if you sell plates, you should sell flatware and napkins to get up the average order size and really create an environment that sparks the imagination of your customer, makes it easy, makes it emotional, makes it amazing. Tip number four, offer high value items Create a wish list for your repeat customers. What I mean by this is have expensive things, have really nice things, have things that are at the top of your range. Oftentimes people talk about this as a price pyramid and they have high, high to low or good, better, best. You want a store that has best in it, that category, that high value item. Even if at the very first one, you said my customer is value oriented or on a budget. So does that mean everything in your store, every product has to be below 30? Well, you know, certainly there are businesses that do that. And that may be your stick. So that, that may not be totally applicable to you. But in general, if you have a range of assortments as a merchant, when you're a product picker and you're selecting what to offer your customer to maximize your sales, don't put them on a budget. This is not your kid on an allowance where you say, okay, but you only have $10. So what are you going to get? <laughs> you want to have something that's worth $30. And what that might make them do is think about how they could refer other customers to you. And then maybe you'll give them a discount or a deal or give something for free. You may want to think about how they think about it as a place to come back to because it's a special occasion purchase. And then it becomes a gift to them or from them for another reason. It's so often we are just so excited about the idea of selling a high value item, assuming it has margin and you're going to make more money when you sell it, that we can be like, Oh, I don't know, but is it going to turn people off? Is it going to be too expensive? If you've got great essentials and everyday basics, you want to put, if you're selling you know, regular shirts, Put a dress suit next to it if you have a, a men's boutique. You really want to make sure for two reasons. It's the table topper, the showstopper. It's it's something that adds a top of the pyramid structure of value for your product category. The other thing that it does, and this is what you have to be careful about, don't assess the value to your business of that expensive item based on how many you sell. Now that's kind of unusual, right? Because usually you would say, well, with the product, how much does it cost? How do you sell it? Are you profitable? But if you have an expensive item and it's a table topper and it's setting the mood and the wow, uh, what, what that may be doing is selling the plates. Okay. It's selling the basics. And I'm actually going to use the table topper as a literal example. Imagine yourself walking in a pottery barn and they have these beautiful placemats and napkins. And then right in the middle is this just gorgeous, a holiday specific, beautiful decorative item. And it's very expensive. And many people are going to walk in there and be like, mm, I'm not going to get that because that is, you know, I can afford it. I can't justify it. I don't get enough use out of it, but look at these gorgeous plates. They look really good. You know what? Those are probably white plates because they offer everyday essentials, but it was the high value item that was the wow and brought people over. And that brings it to number five, keep it fresh, bring the wow, but focus on 80% of your business coming from the sales of essential items that you sold last month and the last month before that, maybe even the season before that, maybe even the year before that. And if you only sold essentials, it could be that interest would fade from your customer base. You would get a little bit bored with it. People would not come back to your store because it never changed. But be careful that you don't change too much 
of your assortment, or you won't be very profitable because you'll have to spend more time and more money on the swap. And you won't have enough transactions on that item to earn back the time and the hassle of switching it up. So how do you do that? How do you balance having the wow items that are the window displays, the fashion show items that will, or the stop the scroll jaw droppers that are going to lure people in, even if when they get there, they're going to fill their cart with 80% essentials. You've got to think about it. And you here is what you need. Stay excited about your basics. Just intentionally every single month, every single week, when you walk into your store, even if it's a metaphorical store, because it's virtual, what essentials are you excited about for the gap? This may be khaki pants for a a store that sells home goods. It may be a white couch. It's still going to be something that is critically important, but by seasons change, they're going to take that white couch and they're going to throw some seasonal pillows on it, but they're not going to put all their revenue into the basket of selling seasonal pillows because that would be too risky. What if they come up with a pattern people don't like? It's only in and out. It's very time limited, very hard to make money that way. But if the store got bored of the white couch and just put it out and brought in a wildly covered, you know, floral couch for the season, they may be too specific, not sell enough. So if you get the point, think about how that might apply to your your store and make sure that you've got a balance about 80, 20 between essentials and stop the scroll. Wows. Now, if you're thinking about this and we get this all the time in our community, when people react to different products, we're really a platform. And that means that we offer things that are dressy, things that are simple, things that are going to appeal to one customer and not another. I mean, skincare is the ultimate example. You're going to have something for an oily skin type when you're going to have something for a dry skin type. You're not supposed to put every product to appeal to every customer and not to the seller themselves. In fashion, that can be a bit blurry because if you have a seller, they think, you know, in skincare, they would never think I'm supposed to use all the products, but in fashion, they might think, well, to sell it, I have to like all the products. And the reality is if you only share products you love, it may be rather boring. It may not have appeal. It may not have the wow and not be a scroll stopper. So I'm going to give a, a polarizing example. We have neon. Neon is a big trend. So we will bring in in tiny doses neon and that neon earring is the scroll stopper. It isn't where you need 10 neon earrings, but do you need to register the trend? Do you need to merge your store where you put that up front so that you're showing and registering some newness so that it brings people in like, Oh, something's new going on. Let me go. Now the practical person, when they get in there is going to say, you know, these are great, but will I really wear them that much? If they're a fashion lover, they're going to say, yes, I'm going to go for it. But nine out of 10 times, or I should say eight out of 10 times, if we're thinking about this 80% of the time, they're going to walk out with a pair of hoops because they're going to say, you know, I could justify wearing this more often. This is really what I need. This goes with everything. And that was just really made clear to me. I just had a recent experience of taking our accessories brands into pop-ups at Nordstrom's. And this was during December holiday rush, great exposure for our brand to help promote for our ambassadors, really telling the story of the quality and the value of our our product. And when I'm standing there, you know, I think in the world, which is so easy to do as a business owner, as a merchant, as an ambassador, it's so easy to think about, well, what's new, what's the latest and get excited about that and share that. 
But in this environment, as people were walking by, I would engage with them and no doubt big sparkly statements drew people over to the table and not practical ones either. Not ones that would go with every black dress or be worn every single day, but big, colorful wows. That was not the number one unit driver of what we sold. You know, it was the most popular selling item items we've had in our line that are essentials for years, um, delicate silver necklaces, uh, gorgeous, but simple silver cuffs. So you get the idea of where I'm going with this. If we didn't have the wow, no one would stop and it would look boring and they might not notice those basics. So keep the balance and make sure that you've got the inventory at right to make a profit on what you do. Uh, number six, keep it simple. If you're thinking, well, wait a minute, there's five other tips. I've got to keep it. Wow. But I do have to do essential. I have to offer a high value, but I also have to offer affordable things and groups that are complimentary. <laughs> is that simple? Yes. Because restraint is a art of storytelling. Actually, I remember reading this quote from Stephen King when I was writing a book and it said, slay your darlings, slay your darlings. And I love that as a general thought for life about what makes things really value. It's the edit and it's the taking away. And you might've poured in a ton of time writing a paragraph and then you don't want to delete it because you like it, but then you realize it's just kind of fluff. It's not adding to the story. It's making it drag on. And it is, you know, it's not, not adding any value. I got guy to get it out of there. Make sure that in your business, you have restraint. Now it could be when you create a display, you don't want to overwhelm your customers with a huge variety of products and options. You want to have it streamlined and focused and highlighting some key solutions that work well together. You know, even in a department store, there are departments, they're creating mini moments. Now, in some of the things that I do, you might vary that. Like, let's say you do pop-ups and you are taking your business to different locations. One day you're going to go into an urban area where there are lots of uh, people who have this particular type of lifestyle. And then the next day you're going to go out into the suburbs and talk to a different group of people that have a different lifestyle. Should you take all of your exact same product assortment to both places? Maybe, but maybe not. <laughs> Think about the customer segment, even though they're both your target customers, is there a segment? Can you curate the story for that age group, that lifestyle, that demographic, that end use, and just use restraint. I know when people invest in things, they want to show it all, or they're very worried. They're like, well, I do have that. And what if a customer asks for it and I don't want to show it. So imagine a physical store that sells candles and they want to create a display, uh, seasonal items, and it has all kinds of wonderful holiday items. Well, what's there when it's not holiday, it's other items. Maybe it's other seasonal items that come and go, but during the holiday, they have more, which means they may need to take away some of the things that aren't as popular in that season, even though it's still carried by the store. If a customer asks for it, they can go get it in back. They can get it shipped to them, but it can't clutter up the space and the attention. So keep it simple and really think about restraint. Seven. This is the last tip. And I think a good one about keeping things profitable. So far, we've gone over all the tips around getting in a customer with targeting it to them, telling a story of value for your customer, making the shopping experience easy by organizing your products into groupings, having complimentary items, also having high value items. That's all about getting a transaction where you have margin in the transaction where you sell it. But what about the pure profitability of the actual products you're picking? So think about profit 
in the products you offer and how you get rid of samples in order to turn over your investment into new. Now, when you're thinking about the profit margin of a product, maybe you sell one product and with it, you get to make 20 cents for every dollar. If you sell another product, you get to make 30 cents for every dollar. Should you only have the product where you make 30 cents for every dollar after your overhead and your costs and your employees and your leases and all that? The answer is not really, because what if that gets you less total profits because you appeal to less total people? So you're not interested only in the profit margin percentage. You're interested in the total profit dollars that you can address in your area by offering things of varying size. Some complementary goods may naturally have different product margins or other factors that play into profit margins from the supplier that you get the products from or how you make them. But just think overall, am I going to be profitable? How can I sell this and get the most total profit dollars? And then how do I keep my profits in my pocket by thinking about the way I bring in and bring out my merchandise to make room for new? Now, if you owned a clothing boutique and you started wearing the clothes every day, that's personal use because you're not going to be able to sell it off except for like on Poshmark or something used where it will be much lower value than you could if you just put it back on the rack in your store. So of course the rack items on your store, they've been put on people too, but it was try on not all the time wear. So differentiate between sellable samples and then items that I'm really using in order to not really have be able to sell anymore. So think about that one. Now, next in an item, if you're moving things around and you want to bring a new, you want to bring out the old and don't be a pack rat. Don't be a hoarder. And don't think of those things as your things versus liquid working capital in your business while it's in the store. At the end, you mark it down to 50% off and you sell it so that you can take that money and reinvest it in something new. And the amount of product that you have and how the frequency of how you need to sell it off and bring something new, that's going to vary based on the volume of your business. If you get just a, a few orders a week, Changing out a lot is going to cause a lot of hassle and it's not going to make a lot of sense. So you really want to concentrate your assortment on essentials that people are going to want again and again, and then just do doses of newness, the wow, the trend stopper, the you're sparking the imagination with storytelling with a little bit of newness, but then stay excited about the white plates and the white couch. Okay. Stay excited about it. You're going to have to strategically say, okay, I love this category. I wish I could bring in new stuff all the time because I love it. But the reality is it's new for the customers. They haven't seen it. They're not as involved with me, but if I don't act excited about it, like it's the old stuff, you're not going to sell it. And you need to sell essentials if you want to keep profitable. So align the amount of your newness with the volume of your sales. If you have a super, super high channel volume, then you can justify it because you can put something out there and sell it a few times before you have to sell off a sample at a discount to get your working capital back. That'll help you get the most return on your invested dollars. So those are your seven tips for how to make more money by strategically picking the product merchandise that you offer to your customer. I hope it was helpful. And so with this right now, your self-made challenge is to just step back and think about which one of these seven tips are you going to focus on to put more profits in your pocket, write it down and get ready to implement it today. Thanks everybody. 
Thanks for listening to this episode, my friends. If you took anything away from this episode, will you do me a huge favor? Please take a minute right now to subscribe to the Self-Made Podcast. Drop a review online. You know the drill. Wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google. Also, share it with a friend. Forward it. Spread the word that this is an amazing resource to help others grow too. And if you share it online, use the hashtag Self-Made Podcast. Oh, and tag me too, at Jessica Heron, so I can say hello and thank you. If you are a visual learner, remember that this is a companion to Self-Made University, easily found online at selfmadeuniversity.com. So go ahead and check it out. Discover courses that will help you level up in life and business, letting you do you better than you ever have before.